Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man who tied the Temple School record for career tournament titles, matching Jeffrey Sis' mark of eight set back in 1986. He turned professional in October 2016, had a successful start to his professional career, finishing tied for ninth place in his first professional tournament and winning his second event. In 2017, he overcame an absence for a herniated disc and two bulging discs to continue his PGA career. It is a pleasure to welcome PGA golfer Brandon Matthews to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Brandon. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. So the story goes that you started playing golf at one or two years of age using plastic clubs, and you got your first set of real golf clubs at age four and really started then. What's your earliest recollection of actually playing on a golf course? Playing on a golf course, I would say it would have to be this uh, one golf course near us in uh, right in, uh, just outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania, called Pine Hills. Uh, my grandfather used to actually take me over there to the the little par three course they had, and it was probably when I was about four, five, six years old. Now I used to, you know, I always used to beg, "Come on, Grandpa, we got to go on the big course. We got on the big course." And <laughs> I was never allowed to do that until you know I actually got better. But that would probably be some of my earliest uh, recollections of golf. So I, everybody remembers the pictures of Earl Woods with Tiger when Tiger was very young, and he really pushed his son to become a golfer. Did yep. you sort of did golf evolve by you? Was somebody really pushing you and encouraging you to, to be to you know be a golfer? Yeah, you know that was the greatest thing about uh, about my dad. Um, he never really pushed me to do anything. Kind of let everything happen naturally. And now my dad was a big baseball player, so uh, you know growing up. I played a ton of baseball, a lot of travel teams and so on and so forth when I was from the age of like 9 to 13. And when I kind of got to 13, 14 years old, I figured out, you know, hey, running's not really that fun. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I kind of gravitated a little bit more towards golf, which is great. But, uh, yeah, that, that was the one great thing about my daddy. He, he never pushed me to do anything. Just wanted me to enjoy myself and be happy. But it, but it's interesting because you know, basketball you can play with your your neighborhood you know friends and go out and shoot some hoops. You can have a catch with your neighbor. You know, with baseball you can throw a football around with someone. At four and five, it's just a. I don't I don't mean to say this wrong, but it's kind of a strange thing for like a four or five year old kid to like. Of all the places you could go with your grandfather, let's go to the golf course. What was oh, yeah. it? What was it yeah. about the sport that appealed to you at such an early age? You know, it's I, I really can't answer that um, because you know I, I I just found a love for it and uh, really enjoyed it at a young. I I don't I don't really know why, but I just I just loved it. Um, I loved going there. I loved the people aspect of it. Um, I, I love I love it now. Just meeting new people and playing in pro ams and doing the things that I do. Um, I, I just really enjoy talking to people here. Di- hearing everyone's stories um, about, you know, what they've done in life, how they be, they have become successful, and so on and so forth. I think golf is just one of the greatest games on the planet. 
so because we, of how how many people you can meet and just the different stories you hear. You see, Mark. Yeah, yeah, listen, AJ, you know, he, he's, you know, you're making his <laughs> night because he is yeah. a huge golf guy. So we mentioned your success at, at Temple and, and winning tournaments at the college level. Was there one particular tournament that convinced you at the college level that you really had what it took to make it as a professional golfer? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's something I've wanted to do forever. I've always believed that I, um, you know, could do it. And, um, you know, I believe that one day, you know, I'm going to do all the things that I've dreamt of, you know, win a major and be number one in the world and do all those things. But, um, you know, when I was 18, um, the summer I actually turned 19 years old, um, that that summer I almost qualified for the U.S. Open, um, and I made it to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Amateur. Um, so that summer really kind of sparked everything for me. It was, all right, listen, you're playing against some of the best amateurs in the world and competing on a daily basis with me. Um, almost made it to the U.S. Open. I was, it was cool. It was uh, at Marion. So even as a, uh, I was a first alternate there. And with those privileges, I was able to um, go and practice and hang out in the range. And my apartment was, 20 minutes from the golf course. So, of course, I was going to go over and hang out and see all the, everything they had there and, and experience that. And, uh, you know, watching those guys hit balls, I'm like, you know, I, I can compete with these guys. You know, they, don't have, they don't have really anything on me. That's what, how I felt at the time. And, and uh, you know, that kind of gave me the confidence to have a great summer. And, um, you know, from there on, there on in, all I did was work really hard to uh, continue to get better and be the best that I could be. You know, I mentioned the back issues you had in the open. A golfer, you know, that's like, that's almost like the kiss of death when you start having back issues. How tough was that to come back, not only physically, but mentally? Listen, just from an aspect, I had my hip replaced, and I I know playing baseball mentally, I've never been able to open up my hip, even though I'm 100%, you know, fixed. I can never replicate the way I used to open up my hips because in the back of my mind there's just something there. So for a golfer with back issues, how tough, which is, well, he, let me ask it a different way. Which is tougher to come back, which was tougher, physically or mentally, to come back from back issues as a golfer? Well, here's the deal. This is my opinion. On, on, on anything, if you want something bad enough, you're going to figure out a way to do it. Um, I have to spend a little bit more time on a daily basis, um, I have to get up a little bit earlier. Um, I have to do my stretches at night. So I just have to spend a little bit more time than everybody else now um, on, you know, just the physical aspect of getting ready, post-run recovery, things like that, that a normal 25-year-old might not really have to do. So I kind of sat down one day and was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, with how my back feels, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to continue um, down this road or so on and so forth? And then, I, and then I thought about it. I'm like, you know, you've wanted to do this since you're a kid. You know, you're on a great path here. You, um, you know, you have a million opportunities in front of you. And, you know, just to get up a few hours earlier than I normally would or do a couple extra things at night, that's not worth um, thinking about giving up the game uh, professionally that I love. You know, you talk about professional people who watch golf and watch, you know, the tournaments. 
don't understand how difficult it is to actually make the tour and qualify. So why don't you walk us through the steps you had to go through once you decided when leaving college, I want to be a professional golfer. It's not like you turn around the next day and you're playing in the U.S. Open, you're playing in the Masters, you're playing in the British Open. Right. How do you get there? Yeah, I mean, if I was to tell you guys kind of and sit here and explain all the avenues to make all these different tours that you can play on and go from there to the Corn Ferry Tour, there from the to the uh, from the Corn Ferry to the PGA, or you know, there's um, the Corn Ferry level of the European Tour, the Challenge Tour. You can go over to China. You can do all, so many different things. But you know, basically, what it is is there's several different qualifying schools or Monday qualifiers that you can go to to gain status on a tour. Um, and there's different levels of status, whether it's conditional, full, and so on and so forth. So basically you have to go to all these events and try to get status on some kind of tour. Um, you know, the big one every year is, you know, the regular Q school. And nowadays you can't make it straight onto the PGA Tour. You have to go to the Corn Ferry Tour, which is, um, you know, easily explained as AAA baseball. Um so you got to go there, and then from there, it's top 25 of the regular season money list. Uh, well, now it's a points list. Um, they get their PGA Tour card, and then in the playoffs, another 25 have a chance to get their PGA Tour card as well. So on the road to get there, you were just at the Visa Open de Argentina, and yes. you're putting on the third hole of a playoff with a guaranteed spot in the Open, one of golf's four major tournaments on the line. Sink the putt, you're in. But something happened which has made you one of the biggest names in golf this week. And it couldn't happen at a better time of year as well because the holidays you always want to hear about some great things. Tell us in our audience what happened as you started to make the putt and carry us through that putt and the aftermath. Yeah, so um, it, it was a great day of golf, you know, from the beginning. I played with Ricardo the entire day. Um, it was just a lot of fun out there, um, first of all. I mean, we had a blast going back and forth at it. You know, he birdies four out of his last five to get into the playoff. I birdied my last two holes. It was, it was just great golf. Um, so we get into the playoff and get to the third playoff hole. Um, he hits it to 30 feet, and just like he's been doing all day, hits a perfect putt, and um, he, he made it. Um, didn't expect anything less. Um, so I get over this... Uh, this eight-footer up the hill couldn't ask for much of an easier putt, really. Um, hit a great shot in there and uh, kind of take the putter back. And in that atmosphere um, with golf, it's it's almost a deafening silence, really, um, when you have kind of a bigger crowd. Um, and you can kind of hear a pin drop in that kind of atmosphere. And um, so all the sounds that you hear are amplified basically. And I kind of took the putter back, heard kind of a scream or a yelp or whatever you want to call it. And, um, I kind of gave it a little bit too much right hand and, and missed it. And at that point in time, I thought somebody did it intentionally. Um, I was really disappointed with the crowd because with what was on the line to think someone would intentionally try to make me miss a putt with um, potentially a career-altering opportunity on the line. It was, it was just disappointing. So I went in the locker room, obviously a little frustrated, and 
tournament director came up to me and um, basically said, hey, um, we're so sorry about what happened. We never want anything to happen like that. But here's the situation. This man was a middle-aged man with Down syndrome. He lost control of his emotions. He yelled out, there's nothing he can do. Um, I said, just take me to him. Um, So I went out. Just wanted to make sure the guy wasn't upset. Um, I mean, obviously, he didn't mean to do that, you know. And I was really concerned about how he was feeling at that time, concerned about how everyone was reacting towards him. Because, you know, at the end of the day, um, he was there enjoying a golf tournament. He was there having a ball the entire day. And I didn't want that to be taken away from him because of something he couldn't control. You know, in hearing it again, I'm imagining, you know, you're almost there at one of your lifelong goals. This happens, you go to the locker room. I, I have to give you credit. I don't know if I would be able to turn to flip that switch so quickly to be concerned about someone else. And that's what makes this such a great service. You know, we hear other stories in athletics where, you know, it could have went horribly the other way. And you turn something for you personally. It, it, listen, we, we know and we hope that you're going to be in many you know, championships and opens down the future. But this was a big moment in your, your career. And for you to handle this with such grace and dignity, I, I have to give you so much credit. And it's such an uplifting story. And, and listening to you talk even before this, talking about your back issues and getting up early and, and, and doing the things you love, it's obviously you're a quality you know, individual. So, so if, if, there's oh, I appreciate some, that. if there's some equity in the world and fairness... Have you heard anything, perhaps, from either the PGA, but whether they'll take this under consideration and maybe give you the exemption, the, the, the ticket to the Open that you were hoping for, or whether there'll be some tournaments where you'll get some sort of sponsor exemption to let you play and get to the next step? Have you heard from anybody about that yet? No, I mean, here's the deal. That's, that's not the point of any of this, you know. Um, you know, whatever happens, happens, but it's just not the point of it, you know. Um, like I kind of keep telling people, um, if this was a normal thing, which it should be, the world would be a better place. Right. It, it, um, you know, it, it's so ironic that you just said that because, wow. you know, yeah. what, once the Jets were way ahead, Sunday is usually, I, I never get to do something with my wife, but since the Jets were way ahead, there was a four, four o'clock, uh, the, the movie about Mr. Rogers. And sitting there, realizing the same thing if there were more stories like this the world would be a, a much better place and yeah. but but that's the question i have to ask you is because it, it's so far out of the norm how much press have you gotten because because of this particular incident yeah it's um, it's been it's been crazy it's uh, i never expected it to blow up at all um you know i remember my uh, my one good buddy was kind of um, hanging around me after after um, I got off the playoff hole and um, everything happened, and he has some some ties um, to special needs as well with in his family. And he goes he goes Brandon, I was I'm so happy you did that. You know, like he went on a little bit and and he said he said good things are going to happen. So I'm like Matt, nothing's going to happen. I'm like I'm like I just needed to do it. 
And, you know, I mean, he was right. I, I, I didn't expect any of this to happen, but, but it did. And, um, you know, listen, I, I'm, I'm glad that it did because, um, it could, it, it brought a great story, um, to people. Um, and there was some, some great feedback from it. Some, the, some of the greatest things were, um, you know, the parents, the sisters, the brothers of people with Down syndrome. Uh, reaching out and just saying how much that means and that it gives them hope for um, for themselves and their children or brothers, sisters. And, um, you know, that, that was the greatest thing about it. I, like I said, I don't, I don't need exemptions or anything from any of this. Um, you know, that's not the point of it. Um, the point of it's just, you know, doing the right thing and, and making someone else happy. Brandon, you know, thanks so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for such an uplifting sports story that, that we can talk about uh, for the holiday season. I have never had a favorite PGA golfer, but I do now. And we will definitely be keeping track of, of your career. And, and, you know, I'm sure there are lots of people that were not golf fans, but every single time you're in a tournament, you have millions of new fans. And, and you're right. If, if more people did things like this, We'd be in a much better place in this world right now. So, again, thank you. I, I wish you nothing but the greatest Thanksgiving this year because um, you definitely deserve it. I appreciate it, guys. I hope you have a happy holiday, and thank you so much for having me on. Our pleasure. Yeah. Brandon Matthews, PGA golfer, hopefully real soon a PGA yeah. champion.